This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Brought to you by Albait Resort, a renovation of style in the heart of Sharjah. Sabah al-khair and welcome back to the second hour of Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. Now, do you know what your kids get up to online? And if they encounter cyber bullies, are you equipped with the knowledge of what to do? Are they equipped with the knowledge of what to do? Today we are talking cyber bullying with Barry Lee Cummings, Chief Awareness Officer at Beat the Cyber Bullying. We're going to be asking what cyber bullying is, who's most affected, and what can we actually do about it? All of that and more is next on Life Beats on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. 95. Keeping it local. Keeping it local. All day, every day. Pulse 95. Heart of Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. 95. How aware are you of what your kids get up to online and are you able to spot cyberbullying when it happens? Cyberbullying can be hateful text messages or a post of embarrassing pictures, videos, even fake profiles of the victim and victims are often bullied in person too and have a harder time escaping it. Now to help us delve deeper into this digital world and how it affects our kids. I'm so pleased to be welcoming into the Life Beat Studio Barry Lee Cummings, Chief Awareness Officer at Beat the Cyber Bully. Welcome. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Great to have you with us, Barry. Now, um, give us a bit of a, an, an idea of what Beat the Cyber Bully is and does. Well, Beat the Cyber Bully is an initiative that we started back in 2014 on the ground here in the UAE. And um, it's designed to just increase levels of awareness and education on the subject of things like cyberbullying, cyberbullying prevention. We've branched into cyber safety, cyber security, and things like online reputation because we've seen that the the digital world is is a complicated one and it's one that um, you know for a lot of parents now we didn't have this when we were growing up so it's very very hard for us to be able to advise and guide our children on something that we don't really understand and then we've kind of flipped the tables because now they know more than we do and they're leading the way and they don't necessarily have the benefit of uh, experience and age on their side so they they jump in feet first start using all the technology or the social platforms and getting into a bit of trouble because they're not sure of what they're actually doing or they're not really sure about the consequences of what they're doing in terms of sometimes the things that they share online, how much they share. You only have to look around uh, in Charger in the UAE to see everybody's glued to a screen. Everybody. Us included. You know, mum and dad are part of this equation. We're all wandering around. We're all looking at these screens all of the time. And in the, the most connected time in history, we're disconnected from each other. And it's a problem because the there is a, unfortunately we don't live in this really perfect world and people are using this tool, which is what the internet and social media are, they're tools, they use them for bad. And if we're not aware of what's going on, we can sometimes put ourselves into harm's way. And of course, uh, people start using them for negative uh, activities like cyberbullying. They realize, and this is what we've seen over the last few years, that um, it's easy to get away with. Um, you know, nobody seems to be watching. I can say these things online and uh, I'm waiting for some sort of repercussions to happen. 
and nothing happens. Uh, and this is how our young people's brains are thinking. So, well, actually, I, I kind of got away with that. Um, and then they get more and more into it, saying things, posting things. Um, and in many cases, because nobody's actually watching, you know, mum and dad kind of hand off the smart device or the, or the tablet and say, OK, off you go. Um, just be quiet and uh, let us have dinner <laughs> or, you know, just don't interrupt us or let's have five minutes of quiet. They don't put any of the parental controls in place. They don't understand what they've just done. And, and the children are like, oh, great. And, and off they go exploring, which we want them to do. You know, we want to encourage them to use this and move and, and explore and, and research. But of course, like every tool, you can use it for good or you can use it for bad. And, and the lack of understanding of what's going on, I think, is contributing to the, you know, the, the spike in things like cyberbullying, but also in those things like um, identity theft mm. you know that people find it much easier to to become you because there's so much information about you out there uh, and we're not consciously thinking about the further reaching ramifications of you know that snap or that instagram or that instagram story it seems like this little moment in time but actually we need to be thinking a bit further down the line as well it's astonishing how many uh, kind of facets and aspects there are to this conversation, Barry. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, which is why we need to be having more conversations about it. Because, like, as you said, um, you know, I was fortunate fortunate enough to have grown up in a time where there were no smartphones when we were at school. And that was bad enough, quite yeah. frankly, when <laughs> you got bullied or you got, you know, whatever, teased and then it might have become bullying or whatever it is or you got into fights or, you know, the kids got up to trouble. Yep. However, it stayed there. It stayed in that place, in the playground. It didn't take on a life of its own online as we're seeing now. Exactly. And that, that's part of this uh, education process that we're going through is that, that that snapshot in time doesn't just stay there. Like you said, it used to be that it could be dealt with whatever the issue was when we were growing up. It was dealt with there and then and it probably wouldn't even have gone. Nobody outside of that school, for example, would probably have heard about it. Exactly. Today, it's on YouTube. It's around the world in seconds. Around the world. This and, is the worst thing. And, and just... it, it's, it, it also then becomes part of you know, whoever that victim is or whoever that person is involved in that piece of content, that they're now recognized as that. You know, they were the child that was in that video or they were the one that was in that snap. Or, and it becomes part of their online reputation. And this is what we start talking to as secondary schoolers about, is that every piece of content, once you hit go, takes on a life of its own, as you quite rightly said. And you're not in control of that anymore. And, and it can be something incredibly innocent like... A photo of you that was just maybe a little bit, you know, not quite the right angle and suddenly becomes a meme. Yep, exactly. And someone's just put it out there and then that's that's what you're known for. It, and, and then it's, you get that funny situation where people, you're walking around and you can see that people are almost looking at you like they recognize you. And it's because you've become part of the internet culture, but not necessarily from a positive perspective. Yeah. You've become a meme or you've become a joke. or And it's very difficult, especially for a young teenage mind, to deal with that, with everything else that's going on with their bodies and, and life in general, to throw this into the mix as well. Um, you know, we were talking just beforehand. I think it's a really difficult time to be a teenager or even a, a tween. Uh, and it's a really, really difficult time to be a parent of those tweens and teenagers because we're at this transitional period of society where the technology is moving at a frightening pace. Our children pick it up and go, oh yeah, I get that. We look at it and go, oh, what is that? And, and why, why would you spend, you know, if I let you, why would you spend eight hours a day using that? What is the attraction? Mm. Um, and it doesn't, doesn't make sense in our head. And of course, then it makes it very difficult for us to have a conversation with them when they're like, oh, dad, 
they just don't get it. Right, right. <laughs> and even, I have to be honest, you know, even for us who, uh, parents who do spend quite a bit of time on social media, you still, you, I don't know, I feel like even, we feel it even more that there is just, once it goes online, you have no control. And this is really wanna, what I want to uh, come to next with you, Barry. We are speaking to Barry Lee Cummings, Chief Awareness Officer at Beat the Cyberbully. We're going to be looking at uh, this issue of cyberbullying from the perspective of the kids, from the perspective of parents and teachers even. Uh, such an important topic and we would love to hear from you on it. 4215 is the text number and you can get in touch on, of course, social media at Pulse95 Radio. More to come after this. You're listening to... Pulse 95. Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. 95. Keeping it local all day, every day. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. We are back with Barrett Lee Cummings. He is the, the Chief Awareness Officer at Beat the Cyber Bully. Uh, such an important conversation, Barry. But I, I kind of um, want to go to actually uh, really defining what we're talking about when we're talking about bullying and cyber bullying. Sure, yeah. It's a good, good place to, to start because it's, it's one of those subjects that is a bit of a grey area in terms of how uh, it's interpreted. So cyber bullying in terms of the actual definition is is bullying, i.e. saying nasty things, spreading uh, untrue rumours, sharing inappropriate explicit content through digital media. Uh, and that includes all your social media tr- uh, channels. It includes things like WhatsApp and any of the messenger platforms. It includes email. Uh, it includes the voice over IP chat um, that is available here in, in the UAE. Um, any digital platform where this kind of negative content is being shared can be classified as cyberbullying. But there is also this uh, this uh, measurement of well, what is teasing, right. uh, you know, and, and what is actually bullying. And uh, it becomes a very subjective conversation because, um, as as you'd said, that it depends on how that person interprets what's being said. There is no way to uh, really show tone in your WhatsApp message. And you could be just saying something completely um, in your mind. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Inoffensive, nothing in it. And then suddenly the response that comes back is, how dare you? Um, This is is inappropriate. Why would you say such a thing? And, And you kind of have to take a double take and think, hang on a minute, I'm sure I didn't say that. Right, Did I right, say that? Right. Um, and, and our children, they see this behavior from us as, as, as adults, but they also, they delve into this. It's, it's so deep. They're on it so often. They're uti- utilizing it for so much of the time that they're not even thinking about that. They're not thinking about the tone of what they're saying. They're actually, in some cases, utilizing these tools that were created initially from a positive place. And again, when they first came out, the ability to reconnect with old friends, and school friends and so forth, and family, you know, for, for us here in, in, in the UAE, um, a lot of us have got family all over the place. And the ability to see what's going on with nephews and nieces and aunties and uncles is, is fantastic and yet we've somehow managed to be dragged down to the negative side of things where um, the the spreading of this inappropriate content or those negative sentiments is really what cyberbullying is about to make somebody feel unhappy or sad that qualifies as cyberbullying and it, it's a different vehicle for what used to happen when we were at school and it was more physical then and but the the idea of what bullying is is a, a power shift. 
It's about power. If I say something to you on an Instagram story, for example, and you react to it, then you put the power straight back into my hands. I got to you. You reacted, you said something, or you you said something back to me. Well, you just literally put the ball back in my court. And that's what cyberbullying is. It's this power shift, utilizing this tool, which now means it's not just you and I that can have a, a, a disagreement. I could go to anybody globally. I can pick random people, at, at, at complete strangers, and say nasty things to them. And they would say, well, what, why would you do that? And unfortunately, I think a lot of it is that some young people are extremely bored. They are so bored and they have this amazing tool at their disposal and they're thinking, well, what shall I do today? Well, I know I'm just going to find somebody on, on Snapchat. I don't know who they are. And I'm just going to send them something inappropriate. Or I'm going to say something to deliberately try and get a reaction out of them. And it's a bit of a sad reflection of where we are because that's not what these tools were utilized for. Mm. And what we're trying to do with Beat the Cyberbully is to, to change the conversation, basically, is that why not utilize these channels and these platforms for positive? Start to generate content around the things that you're interested in as young people. If you have a passion for basketball, for example, why not start creating content around that subject stop spending so much time um, you know sending inappropriate content sometimes sending explicitly inappropriate content saying nasty things making people feel bad making people feel sad making them uh, feel isolated in many cases uh, said we're on this all of the time that a, a real form of cyberbullying is isolation where you start one group and then start another group and remove one person right. and then they suddenly they're not in the conversation anymore but they don't necessarily know why you see that happening you know it's not just with kids i mean the kids <laughs> do that but uh the parents who are anybody who's ever been on a whatsapp group um <laughs> on the parents whatsapp group for, for their kids uh class yeah. uh i've seen that happen i've seen that happen where you know you have one whatsapp group and then suddenly you know everybody leaves that one and you want to started excluding certain people yeah um you know and the back and forth that can happen and and it's it's really interesting because this is also something that our children learn from us mm. and they they model our behavior and we might not think they're looking or they don't know what's going on but they're, they're looking and watching everything especially at that sort of seven eight nine years old which is according to statistics here in this part of the world nine years old is when they get a smart device and it's the youngest across the world it's the youngest age that here in the uae here in the uae yeah and at nine years old they're looking at us as mum and dad watching what we do and of course if we spend all day every day on our phones they think well i guess i can do that too and then they look at they obviously pick up our phones they see the screens they see perhaps some of these whatsapp chats oh well i guess that's okay to speak to people like that and um, and we as mum and dad as parents have to be so conscious of modeling appropriate behavior so that we're not um hypocrites basically exactly you know exactly. and uh, we have to put the the, the parameters in place because yes we need uh, i use the air quotes <laughs> need but we do from a working perspective from our jobs that that these are essential communication tools so there may be a reason for us to be on that phone and and checking our emails and, and if you're in digital marketing you'll be managing people's social media platforms so you have to be on them but our children don't have that context they just look at it and say oh mum's on a phone again and she's been on it for the last hour, so I guess I'll just go back to being on my tablet. But very much of this discussion centers around the behavior of parents, it, as anything to do with uh, parenting does. Yeah. In fact, it's it's all about us more than about the kids. The problem is not necessarily with the kids. And to that, uh, I want you to kind of speak to the whole idea of privacy mm. and us parents 
posting photos of our you know, little apples of our eyes online. And, and you, you know, we love them so much. We're so proud of them. But, um, you know, I know in my household, I've gotten to a stage where my 13-year-old says to me, if I take a photo of her or a video or anything, she says to me, you are not allowed to post that anywhere. Mm. Yep. Because she knows. Yeah, she knows. Yeah, it's it's going off on a, it takes on a life of its own. And, and our young people are starting to realize, I don't really want that. I would like to be in control of what's out there. Um, but yeah, we've, we've touched on this a couple of times as Beat the Cyberly and we call it paparazzi parents. That, that we're, we're constantly clicking because we've got our smart device in our, in our hand all of the time and it's a great camera, great for taking videos. So much content that we are putting out there and I think the average is something like by the time a, five, by the time a child gets to five years old, there'll be about 5,000 pictures of them online and they won't have posted any of them. So that's mum and dad. And this is, a, is exactly, as you said, a big part of the equation and the solution to this problem is mum and dad. But we, as mum and dad, are perhaps not in a position just yet to help solve that problem because our level of understanding and education isn't at the level it needs to be to understand how they use these devices, how they use all of the platforms, and in some cases just what the functionality of those social channels actually are. And we might have no interest whatsoever in Snapchat, but if our young ones are spending time on there, we need to get an interest because we need to understand how it works to see how they can potentially get themselves in trouble because they are posting... And I've been in schools where you've got 12 and 13 year olds on a snap streak of 400 plus, which means that for 400 consecutive days, they've been pushing content out there. Now, that's insane. I, mean, I haven't got to anyone that's at the two year mark, but that's, you know, 400 days, nearly, you know, just over a year of constant uh, content coming out through their snap channels and they're doing it because snapchat re- rewards them with with filters and, and so forth in there but they're not thinking about how much content is that that's now out there about them because it tends to be selfies it tends to be where they are what they're doing and all of this kind of stuff so much information and what kind of uh, repercussions can it have later on in life when they're applying for a job when they're at university uh, all kinds of things. We're going to continue this conversation in, in just a moment. And uh, I want you to, to speak next, uh, Barry, to, to this whole idea of parents and teachers feeling powerless mm-hmm. uh, when content uh, that is cyberbullying content does go out online. We're going to talk about that next right here on Life Beats on Pulse95. This is Pulse95. Is Pulse 95 Life Beats Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. We are back with Barry Lee Cummings of Beat the Cyber Bully. Now, Barry, something I I wanted to um, put to you that I I found um, in the news as I was researching for this topic is um, a story coming out of Canberra in uh, Australia, where I'm from, where um, high school teachers are saying that. Many staff members feel powerless to stop a 24-7 cycle of cyberbullying and physical violence amongst their students. So um, th- this is coming from the ABC in Australia. They revealed that uh, private groups on Instagram and Snapchat hosted disturbing videos of Canberra students as young as 12 uh, involved in fights and brutal bashings. And and one teacher who didn't want to be named... Um, said that he had witnessed such incidents at his school and he said it was a common practice for physical violence in the playground 
to develop into ongoing online abuse and often with devastating impact. Uh, This teacher said that breaking up playground fights was possible, but when students had camera phones, controlling the fallout from the incident proved much more difficult. And uh, he said, if you happen to be in the place at the time, nothing has really changed. Teachers are trained in those situations. But once the footage is put online, we're fairly powerless to do anything about it. And and it's true. Um, Once it comes back to this point that once we hit send, go, whatever it is and wherever we're putting it, we lose control of that content. And, And this is why the conversation has to come all the way back to educating our young people about what happens mm. uh, and to try and as much as possible i'm not saying this is you know in in the realms of possibility but to change their behavior to get them to understand that posting that video is not the right thing to do and that we as they often do it for entertainment yes they do it for entertainment they do it for recognition because mm-hmm. unfortunately I, I feel that our society at the moment really uh, reinforces this five minutes of fame kind of approach that our young people are looking to be noticed and they look to our role models and celebrities and so forth and how do they get noticed well some of them get noticed for good things positive uh, things some of them get noticed for notorious things and 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 saying things and doing things and being um deliberately uh, different if you like and and at the other end of the scale where they're perhaps rude and saying things to be noticed and their instagram story blows up and goes viral and so our young people look at that and say well i guess i'll try that then how could i do that well okay what's going on around me oh there's a fight breaking out there i know i'll capture it and put it out there Uh, they may even have some video editing skills so they start doing some post-production work on their phone to make the video look different look better in their eyes and post it out there hoping that somebody will see it and go wow cool video uh, and and maybe even notice some of the editing that's going on because that's you know but they're not going down the road of saying well why don't i create some positive content put that kind of post-production work into that and put it out there they want the the controversial topic uh, a fight at school well that's that's not supposed to happen so if i can capture that and put it out into the internet there's more chance of somebody seeing it because it's not uh, the normal stuff that's coming out and I get that recognition and we we started to talk about it off air but the chemical reaction that they get the dopamine hit that they experience when somebody likes their video puts a positive comment on their instagram post they feel good about it and it becomes addictive and they want more of it and so they have to think of more and more outrageous ways to get noticed to get those likes to get that positive um, reinforcement and of course that leads them down the lines of these kind of uh, the the content that we see about the fights and um, other things that are going on in schools which turns the conversation to what can we do about it in terms of it's about educating them of the impact of that content not just on them as the person recording it and, and sending it but on the people who are in that video because that video becomes a part of who they're recognized as online it becomes part of their online reputation that piece of content whether they like it or not and for whatever reason the fight started it doesn't matter these two are now online fighting and somebody will probably have said which school it's at so then the school's reputation gets dragged into this conversation 
And the, nobody benefits out of this. Even the person that thinks they benefit, which is the poster because they're getting recognition, they then start to potentially get a reputation for posting this kind of content. And is that really the reputation that they want to put out there a few years down the line when they're thinking about applying to universities or maybe going for jobs? Every applications department, every recruiter, every headhunter will look at their online reputation. And if you've been spending your time putting out this kind of content, it's potentially not going to sit you in the best position to get into that university of choice, to get the job, you know, the dream job that you've been working towards. All of these things now play a, a key part in their lives four, five, six years down the line, which they're not thinking about, which we never thought about. We didn't have to think that far ahead when we were children. But teenagers and tweens of this generation have no choice, in my opinion, but to start to learn to think and see three or four years down the line. Is this video, is this mean comment, is this inappropriate content going to put a positive slant on who I am? Or is it going to potentially put a negative one? And if we can answer that question very clearly, then it might start the change in behavior that we need to see in terms of because there are different uh you know stakeholders within this conversation you've got the students themselves um and as you say we need to be uh educating them about this but what about the teachers what about the parents you know in this kind of a situation so in this kind of situation specifically the the it it is, comes always back to uh, prevention rather than cure because I said that if i post a video online and I hit go, there's not really anything anyone can do about it. It's gone. It's taken on a life of its own. We can report it to YouTube. We can report it to Facebook. Wherever it's been posted, we we can report it. But then we are putting uh, the, the results in their hands and hoping that they're going to pick up this particular video of the hundreds of thousands, probably millions of pieces of content that get reported every day, uh, that they're going to find it and be able to take it down and, and, and do something about it. It's not realistic. It can't happen. And, and whilst the, the, the platforms have the automated algorithms to weed this out, they also have humans, you know, literally hundreds, thousands of people that are employed to monitor and evaluate these things. We still can't stop it because of the volume of content that's being put out there. So the only way for mum and dad and for teachers to be able to do anything about this is to start building this messaging into just about everything within curriculum, within messaging at home of the pre-thought of what you're about to do. Why is my son thinking that it's a good idea to capture this video and post it online? What is it that he's going through? What is his thought process? And how as mum and dad or teacher can I have conversations with this year group to try and make them understand what the impact of, of doing this is? Because as I said, there is no solution to this once the, the content's gone. It's, it's just about impossible to do anything about it. The important thing as well is to, to, to say that this is an evolving conversation because social media, the online world is constantly evolving. Absolutely. And, and it's this not like is, you've had the talk and that's it. No, no. This And this is part of the thing that um, we, we touched upon um, with, with Beat the Cyberbully. We touch upon it all the time is that this is hard work. It's ongoing hard work for mum, dad, teachers and students because we're talking about behavioural change. And that's why I think that we're we're on a long, long, long journey here uh, because the change is not going to happen quickly. And as we get to grips with what's happening today, tomorrow a new platform comes out, a new app comes out, a new technology is released, and we have to start again. 
because now how we interact is not about posts and stories and so forth. It will be a different way of engaging with content, which means our children will get to grips with it very quickly because they're digital natives. And we as mum and dad and teachers have to start again and say, right, what is this new technology? How does it work? Why is it so addicted to that, to, to, to that young mind? How do we start to talk about this in a language that A, will make sense to them and, and actually have them pay attention? Because this is the other thing is that a lot of parents do say they talk to their children about this, but it kind of goes in one ear and out the other, uh, as it did with us when we were young. Um, and that's why it's an ongoing conversation. And I ask some parents, how often do you talk to your children about online safety? Anybody once a, a week and a few hands go up? Anybody once a day? Once many? Five times a day? Definitely not. But this digital world that we live in there's an opportunity to talk about this at every conversation most of the topics that our young people will be talking about will be digitally related it might be online gaming it might be social it might be what's going on uh, with uh, whatsapp chats and groups and so forth there's always a digital slant at this point in time and we have to learn how to speak to them in a language that makes sense to them but also conveys the, the messaging that we need to get through to them about safety. We're going to be uh, talking more to that and how do we talk to our young people about digital online safety. Uh, more to come with Barry in just a moment. Pulse 95. You're listening to Pulse 95. It's Pulse 95. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. 95. All right, we are continuing the conversation with Barry Lee Cummings, Chief Awareness Officer at Beat the Cyberbully. Um, as you said, Barry, what's really important here is to start that conversation as parents with our kids and to have that conversation. But how do we do it without being awkward? Yeah, well, I'm not sure if there is a way of not being awkward <laughs> at this point in time, but that's kind of the uh, the barrier that we have to get over as, as, as mum and dad. Just like our parents did, they had to have some pretty awkward conversations with us. The reality for us today is that we're probably going to have to have some of those awkward conversations at a younger and younger age mm. because they're having access to this sometimes at age seven, well, even younger, you know, my, my 17 month old understands how to pick it up and get the photos and, and, and things on it. Uh, two year olds know how to use laptops. I think studied 38% of two year olds globally know how to operate an iPad, which is higher than those that can actually tell the time, swim. You know, all of these life skills that we would have been doing, perhaps um, the technology has taken over. So how do we have those conversations? Well, it's about having a level of understanding ourselves to be able to relate to them. So uh, let's say, for example, that your young child or your children are heavily into online gaming. If that's the case, even if you have absolutely no interest in online gaming whatsoever, you're going to have to start having an interest in it. Mm. At least download one of the games. There's a, a news story that came out today about one of the games called um, PUBG, um, which now apparently parents in the UAE are going to start campaigning to get banned because it's the next Fortnite and it's uh, it's a bad influence on our young people. Um, wow, we, the stuff you have to keep up yeah, with. Yeah, and, and, but this is the thing is that PUBG as a game has been out for two years already. You know, it came out in 2017, but now I think in some cases we as parents are sometimes facilitating the uh, the the, uh, the 
guess, the negative scenario associated with these things because we see it and go, <gasps> and then share it through all of our groups and then the, the, the momentum gets built, but we're creating it. It's not actually children being influenced by this game. It's mum and dad worried that they're going to be influenced by this game. And that comes right back to that initial question of how do we talk to our children? Well, if we've downloaded this game and played the game and understand a little bit about it, then we can have a conversation with them to start explaining how these games are designed to make them want to spend as much time as possible playing them. And that they are potentially being manipulated and the young people especially at that teenage they don't want to hear that they're being manipulated by anybody nobody wants to hear that exactly and so then we get their attention and so well, i'm not being manipulated dad so well let's talk about this why do you want to play this so often and how often are you asking me for more time on this game more time dad more time well because they want you to play and you're now addicted to it and again people don't want to hear that either so no no I, i'm in control of this i can not play it if i don't want to but we're able, that already has opened communication channels with them on a subject that they're interested in. When we start talking to them about cyber safety or cyberbullying prevention, especially that subject now, a lot of young people, they just turn off. They're like, oh no, not another talk about cyber. Yes, we know dad, we know mum, we know about privacy settings and they're not listening anymore. But if we're starting to talk about, uh, you know, whether it's Fortnite or PUBG or whether it's TikTok or whatever, whatever it is that they're utilizing, first of all, they start to look at us and say, oh, what do you know about yeah. Fortnite? Hang on a minute. <laughs> this is my world. And we can at least start to open that communication channel to say what is going on, how it's happening. But if we don't have any knowledge of that, well, then we might still think we're talking to our children often about this subject. But again, it's that the, the noise is coming out of our mouths and it's going into their ears, but the message is not sitting there. It's not staying because they're not actually engaged because the language that we're using is mum and dad language. It's about their safety. It's about their, um, you know, what we're here to help guide them, etc. They don't really care at this point in time. But if we start talking about the apps and the games and the programs that they're utilizing and some of the pitfalls and how we actually know a little bit about what they're doing and a lot of these apps that have hidden folders to keep things from us, that we can let them know that we do know and that realistically we want to talk about these and use it as an opportunity to learn from them as well, that they can teach us a few things about how this works, which might pique our interest to go and learn a bit more and then go, oh, okay, now I get why they like it. I'm kind of getting drawn into this right. myself. And suddenly you're playing together. <laughs> yeah, and is that such a bad thing? Maybe not if it's yeah, balanced. You exactly. Know, that we have a certain time to play these games and then we've got chores and then we've got outdoor activity, we've got other things to do. And the, the, the secret to this, if you want, it's about balance. So that it's not becoming a tirade just from the parent to the child, but it's becoming a conversation. I really like that, you know, letting them teach you as well, asking them questions about what they're, you know, up to. How do you play it? How do you do it? And not as as well, you know, as a parent, not waiting until there's a problem. Exactly. Starting exactly. from the very beginning and saying, you know, like, like let's talk about this. Yeah. You want to do it? That's great. But you know, what does this actually really mean? 100%. And then when there is a problem, they look at you as somebody they can come to and say, okay, well, this is what's happened. Um, somebody said something in the live chat, or what does this mean? Or I'm not feeling very comfortable. And that's what we want. We want them to come to us as mum and dad, as opposed to keeping it inside or not telling anybody or feeling that they don't have anyone to talk to. That's where we want to get away from. And that can only happen through open communication channels. Barry, it wasn't long enough. Uh, Barry <laughs> Lee Cummings, Chief Awareness Officer at Beat the Cyberbully. Thank you so much. And I know doubt we're going to have you back again there's so much to talk about around this topic and uh, some wonderful advice from you thank you so much thank you very much that's it for us here on life beats on pulse 95 we are going to be back with you again from 10 a.m tomorrow 
morning, but stay tuned at one o'clock. Of course, Afternoon Karak is coming your way. Have a fantastic day full of all of the great things that make life beat. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10am.